Thank you for joining us for live paranormal radio. From the paranormal to the unexplained, it all happens here. It all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in our live video chat 24-7 with our live paranormal radio show hosts and other like-minded people. Live. Paranormal.com, the only interactive social chat room supported by Full Interaction Media. Stop by now and join the fun. Stop by now and join the fun. It's Raising the Vibration, right here on the live Paranormal Radio Network and iHeartRadio.com. We're also on Google Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Podomatic, Blog Talk Radio, um, iVox, Player FM, the list goes on and on. Honored to be a part of this wonderful network and all of its wonderful affiliates and, of course, thrilled to be a part of the iHeartRadio family. I'm your host, Sheena Metal. I'm a psychic medium. I'm an interface minister. I'm a 28-year talk radio host in Los Angeles and beyond. I'm weeks away from being a 29-year talk radio host. And I come to you live from my home in Southern California Every Wednesday at 3 o'clock Pacific time. This show is an outreach of a nonprofit movement of peace and love and kindness and unity that I started uh, after my mom passed to sort of carry on her teachings, all the good stuff that I was raised with. Mom believed that the world, humanity needed more peace, more love, more kindness, more unity, and that that was essential to raising your vibration. And I agree, and I carry on her teachings. This show is also about ascension, evolvement, inspiration, and again, love. Basically, you know, how how are you helping to aid your overall ascension and evolvement? And then how are you taking those two things, most importantly, and using them to inspire others? What's your passion? What's your service? And most importantly, what are you doing to make the world a better place? So every week on the show... I gather folks that I believe to be the brightest and the loveliest and the most beautiful minds and hearts and souls that I know, and we talk about what we're all doing to make the world a better place. And my guest today is no exception. I've interviewed her so many times. I adore her. I've sat on panels with her. Um, She's as kind as she is fun and, you know, really understands what it's like to make others around her feel joy, uh, such a talented actress, such a talented author, a talented fine artist, and um, probably the only person in the world, I believe the only person in the world, who can say that they were both a part of Little House on the Prairie and Eraserhead. Please welcome to the show my wonderful friend Charlotte Stewart is here. How are you, darling? It's so good to hear your voice and have you here. I was wondering who you were talking about. <laughs> I thought, wait a minute, you that can't be me. <laughs> but but that, Hi, that is you, and that's what I—that's what I love about you, and that's very much a part of your book, right? Is that you? Yeah. You have these two sides, right? You are very much the girl next door. You're also very much the the Hollywood woman who's had a lot of Hollywood experiences, and I think that shows people that it's it's okay to be two things. You know, I'm the rock and roll queen of the nighttime world and I'm also a nice girl from Connecticut. Like you, you can be both of those things. And it's That's okay to explore true. all sides of yourself. Right? And you just <laughs> you have just lived and loved and had experience 
experiences and and really sort of um been a part of the of everything life had to offer you and i admire you for that and i think that makes you a hero Gina, thank you. At 82 years old, I'm still doing all of right. it and having a ball. I'm up here in the beautiful Napa Valley. I moved up here about 15 years ago, decided I wanted a little quieter place to live and less traffic, and uh, it's, it's been absolutely wonderful. I'm closer to my family, and that means so much to me. Oh, I, and I think that's so important. And you know what? I don't know if you know, but I I did the same thing. I'm not in Napa, but I'm in the town <laughs> I grew up in, in Huntington Beach. Uh, yeah. I don't have biological family. My mom was my only family, but both of my best friends' families are here, and they're very much my family. I consider my friend's son to be my nephew and my other friend's daughter to be my niece. And I moved uh-huh. here during COVID to be close to family, and I just stayed. And it's um, it's so it important. It's good so important. to have a break. Yeah, well, I, I had lost all my family all. too. Yeah, you know, I've got t- I've got uh, ten nieces and nephews that I'm very close to. They all live in the Bay Area, and so we at, we Zoom every Sunday, which is a lot of fun because I I get up on awesome. what all the things that they're doing, and they also get up on what I'm doing. And uh, I've been traveling a lot lately. You know, Little House on the Prairie is it's coming up on its 50th anniversary next year. And we've been invited to, we've been in Missouri, Kansas, Illinois. I'm going to Oklahoma and Kentucky. Uh, I don't think I've ever been busier in my life. You know, it's so much fun. Isn't that great? And I get to see all, the, all yes. my cast members. Allison, of course, is your dear, dear friend. Allison Orndrum, yes, who played is. Nellie. Isn't she wonderful? And have She's you talked to Wendy? World. Oh, I know. Have you talked to Wendy Louise? Oh, I love Wendy. Wendy who played Baby Grace? Yes, and her second book is yes. coming out in I August. I need to get her here. Yeah. I've only seen her when I've hosted panels with all of you, and uh-huh. um, I've, I love her energy, and I, and I love Rachel, and um, I just I love Patrick. I love them all. I mean, I've never met a little house person I didn't love. I think it's you know, beautiful. You good. The way I think you're we close. had a wonderful I think it's experience beautiful. with yeah we had we had such a wonderful experience with Michael Landon, you know he was you know a lot of people don't know what what a crazy and wonderful loving person he was I I just especially mm. lately for some reason he's been on my mind so much it's almost psychic I I I I've been making these tote bags souvenir tote bags with pictures of Little House on the Prairie on them for all of my I love you know, wanderings all over. And I happened to be working on one with Michael, uh, with a picture of Michael, and he's looking right at the camera. And I looked at him, and I, it was very emotional. I said, Michael, thank you. Thank you for everything you gave me. Thank you for your friendship. I miss you so much. You know, he was, most people don't know what a, what a wonderful giving boss he was. You know, he was our boss, Yeah. but he was Michael, you know. He had fun, and he was strict, and, you know, the kids adored him, especially, you know, I know you've talked yes. to, um, you know, Laura, uh, uh, Melissa Gilbert, Melissa Sue Anderson about their relationship with Michael. He was just such a giving person, so I just feel so fortunate, you know, have to have been in his eyesight, you know. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I think that that's, and, and that's the gift, right? I, you know, I, I've been talking a lot about, I, I do a, a show, because I, I also came out as a psychic. I don't know if you know that or not, but that happened yes, after my mom died, because she was as well. And um, I was talking today on my psychic show that I do before this uh, for a streaming network on TV about, you know, inspiration, right? That the world is a wheel, right? I mean, we become inspired by others. And then we grow and change, and then we pass on that inspiration, and we inspire other people, and then they inspire other people. And that's kind of what makes the world a better place. And I think whenever you interview somebody who was a part of Little House on the Prairie, you feel the imprint of Michael's energy on them. And uh, and he had a big Scorpio energy, right? There was a lot there. (laughs) But he, he affected people, and he they went on and became a certain kind of person to work with mm-hmm. and to be because he was the same. And yeah. um, I think the way that Allison kind of picked up the reins and keeps you all yes. together, yes. right? She keeps it all going. Yes, exactly. Um, that's interesting. I remember once, one of the first time I interviewed Patrick Laberteau, he said to me, um, you know that thing about Allison? Uh, where she brings everybody together. And I said, yeah. And he said, she was like that as a kid. She was exact. She's always been that person. (laughs) And I think that's a beautiful thing, right? She's a tribe builder. And so many people I've interviewed on my show have been because she brought them to me. We call her the gateway guest because first I interviewed her and then the floodgates opened. Um, But (laughs) that's the kind of, that's the kind of person I think we need to think about. Do do I want to be that person? who inspires people every day. And I think yeah. you guys schlepping all over the world, doing these these cons, these conferences and get togethers to make the day of these people who grow up watching a show they loved and never thought they would meet any of you. Um, yeah. I, I think that's such a beautiful thing that you all do. Especially the the promoter, uh, Jack Bishop is our, is our boss kind of on all of these, you know, cross-country shows and all and he has picked up um the reins of of michael in inspiration and what he does is he goes into very very small towns in the midwest places where celebrities you know people on television movies never go and he he opens up the doors to a a fairgrounds or a, a you know a civic center or something not a civic center they don't have them in the small towns but he brings in two and three thousand people a day to meet us. Wow! And and yeah. it, they would never have had a chance to. They are so full of of gratitude when you see a, a mother and a father and two little kids who are still watching Little House on the Prairie that you know never thought they would meet us. You know, not that we're overly special, but it's just kind of a it's a fun inspirational thing to do. Just say, well, it's so glad to meet you, you know. And you see the, the little kids especially, they're just, their eyes are open like, you're Miss Beetle or you're Nellie. <laughs> we have such a good time. It's, it, it's inspirational. And isn't that why as actors, I mean, maybe not everybody, but for me, that was why I got into the entertainment business, to, to move people and to lighten yeah. their load, to make them happy, to make them laugh, to make them cry. So to have them right in front of you telling you how your work has inspired them, I mean, yeah. that's a gift that they're giving to you. Yeah, absolutely. 
I get uh, I do get inspiration from that. And you know, I I see a little kid or. One time I was in Paris, Allison invited me on a trip there, and I, I happened to be out on the streets one, you know, you know, one afternoon by myself because I had never been there, and I was walking around, and this man and woman and two kids stopped dead in front of me, and he burst into tears, and he said, little house on the prairie, I watch with my grandma, and he gave me a hug, uh, it, it, like out of the blue, I thought, how does anybody even recognize me? You know, it's been, it's yeah. been 50 years. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you pretty much look the same. That's how. Some people look very yeah. different as they age, and some people really don't. And and you yeah. look very similar. So I think, it's, I think it's, I you're not a hard one to recognize. Well, I was um, an adult and, and I did the show. You know, I right, wasn't a child. Right. I was an yeah. adult. So. That's, I look kind of the same. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, and you, and you thankfully, unlike a lot of, you know, ladies in our business, you you have your original face, which is lovely. Yeah, Because thank you. Um, thank you, some Jesus. folks become unrecognizable over time, and I think it's so mm-hmm. important, and I hope we learn in the next however many years, that, that you don't have to, you're just perfect the way you are. Everybody's perfect uh, the way they are. Thank you. And I think that's I haven't had so important. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, but you, you're lucky that you naturally look great. But still, I, you know, I watch a lot of British TV and a lot of Australian TV and a lot of Canadian uh-huh. TV. Mm-hmm. And, and so many of those ladies, man, they just let it all hang out. They go gray. They don't, they don't do anything. To their, you know, and they that's look me. so beautiful, right? Because we're yeah, supposed to me. be beautiful at every stage of our life. That's, that's part yeah. of being a human being. We're, we're not supposed to yeah. look 15 when we're 80. But um, exactly. So I think exactly. you're very recognizable. But do, do, but now with all that you've done with Little House and all that you have, you know, all of the fan stuff that you do and you meet the fans, have you done any of that with Eraserhead? I mean, do a lot of people know that you were in Eraserhead or is that kind of like your special secret for when they read the book? Every once in a while, there's, a, there's an Eraserhead event. I just got back from Dallas, Texas, where they were showing David Lynch films. So they, they flew me out to, you know, meet fans and speak to the crowd and all. But uh, they didn't know me because when they were walking in, I was sitting at a table with some friends, and then they showed the movie. And then after the movie, they recognized me. But I, I, I don't think I look much like Mary X. <laughs> or maybe I shouldn't. Because <laughs> Mary, kind of, <laughs> Mary was a little strange. <laughs> Well, but, but I think they expect that. Yeah. Um, and, and, it, and groundbreaking, right? I mean, as groundbreaking yeah. as Little House, just in a different way. I mean, that was um, the beginning of a lot of his films that every one of them broke ground because we hadn't really seen anything as bizarre where the underbelly of humanity was really brought out in such an interesting avant-garde way before. That's true. Um, you know, when and a, David was doing Eraserhead, he was still a student at the American Film Institute. And I used to do lots of student films because how are they going to learn to direct if they don't have some professional actors to work with? That was exactly, my theory. Yeah, yeah. So I said, of course I'll do your film. Of course, I thought it was going to be about 10 days of work, and it turned out to be a year and a half. <laughs> but look what happened. Right. He won, as soon as it was released, he won the L.A. Film Award and went on to do um, – 
oh, oh, what was his next film? Uh, oh, I'm blanking on it right now, but it was, you know, a major was film that he did next. Was it, was so. it, was Blue Velvet his next one? Blue Velvet. No, that was later. Yeah. It was, so. No? oh gosh, I'm blank, I'm blanking. It was uh, Elephant Wait Man. Wait a minute, was it, was it Elephant Man? Yeah. It was Elephant Man. Right. Yeah, that was his Elephant next Man, film. Which is, which is amazing? brilliant. And it's, it's interesting because that's kind of the Marilyn Munster of all his films. Like it's the uh, it's the one that doesn't yeah. really match all the other ones in the sense that it's right. very proper and very British, very avant garde looking. But man, but what a what a brilliant film. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, Jack Nance who was in Eraserhead, he wanted so desperately to to play the elephant man that the studio had oh. already, you know, hired Anne Bancroft, of course. This was a film for right. her. Her husband produced right. it, and and she uh, she wanted oh, can't remember who played it, but um, it was a brilliant cast. Yeah, unbelievable. Pretty Anthony Hopkins and John film, Hurt. John yeah, Hurt, not not bad at all. Of. Yeah, and all the Oscar stuff. I mean, it was yes, absolutely. And then he went yeah. back to do Blue Velvet, which was sort of his his home base kind of film. Exactly. Um, exactly. But. The, the interesting thing I think about David Lynch is um, that he there's always a pathos underneath the weirdness, right? There's this very right. kind of avant-garde, bizarre exterior, but underneath there's a pathos. Like I think Twin Peaks is a good example of that, where you you really felt for every single one of those characters, you yes. there was a softness yes. inside of them that you connected with. And um, the death of Laura Palmer affected everyone in the town. Everyone. Yeah. You know, it, it was so obvious. The town was shaken just to its core with the death of Laura Palmer. That's what, that's what, you know, when the famous saying, who killed Laura Palmer <laughs> became, right. you know, a keynote to, you know, cross the board. Yeah. He's, he was pretty brilliant. I talked to David once in a while. Um, as I go off on these junkets to uh, for a racer head, especially, and because I I want him to you know know what I'm doing, and that I respect his wishes that I never show the baby, you know the baby in a racer head that I never take a mm. uh, likeness or something to these shows. He wants he wants the mystery oh. to stay. Yeah, so I call him oh. each time to say you may have heard that I'm going to. Dallas, and they're showing Eraserhead, but I respect your wishes, and <laughs> I won't take Spike with me. That's what we call the baby, <laughs> Spike. <laughs> now, do you do you have Spike though in your possession? I I have not kept it. I've been given it, and I give it back. I have fans that bring me replicas of Spike, but I don't oh. keep it. Yeah, it's it. That's is, that's is there is there wish. a reason for that? Is Oh, that you don't keep it. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. David, okay. David doesn't want anyone to see it. Okay. But but, but didn't we see and it I in can't the film? Talk, I or can't did I talk just about imagine it. it? Huh? Okay. Didn't what? we see it in the film? Did we Absolutely, actually see the wants, baby? Absolutely. And he, he wants people to see it in the film. He doesn't want me to describe oh, it or talk about how it's made. Anything. Interesting. Very, very heavy duty. Very emotional. Interesting. 
Yeah. 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 And and that is in in sense, I mean, obviously it's it's a horror film. <clears throat> but it's also a supernatural it's a film because there's it's a love story. And and a love story. But but so <laughs> many horror films are love stories at their core. You know? Unrequited, it's um yeah. that's interesting about the baby though. I didn't know that that was a that w- the number one rule of of uh of the baby is we never talk about the yep. baby. Yep. Nope. But isn't it he, he wants to people to have film... the shock value, I think, to go in. Right. Right. I love that. Isn't that but isn't that interesting that this this film that you did so long ago, there are still fans trying to artistically replicate, replicate the baby. I mean, that's fascinating that people I know, are people still give loving it, it all that the time. much later. Yeah. But look at <laughs> look at Twin Peaks that you were also a part of, right? Of Twin Peaks. Yep. Um, yeah, Betty. Betty Briggs. I mean, people like there was an uh, an an uproar when it got canceled, and people for decades clamored for a, a reboot until there was one. I mean, people became yeah. upset. I was obsessed. I was a Twin Peaks head. <laughs> like I was obsessed. I had the yep. books. I had the Laura Palmer diary when I was in college when that came out. My friends and I were obsessed with that because we'd never seen anything like that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty. And and so, I, when I met David, he was a student at the American Film Institute, and uh, you know he, I invited him over to my house so he could bring me the script, and I I couldn't under I didn't understand it at all, but you know I'm an actor who believes in just working with the director's direction. So even yeah. though I didn't realize, I, I didn't ask him any questions. If he said to do something, if he said get on the floor, reach under the bed, and pull the suitcase 14 times, I didn't say why. I just did it mm-hmm. because he had a rhythm in his head of what he wanted me to do. And so I would just do it. And, I, you know, people ask me questions about actors and, you know, what do you, you know what's your favorite director or, you know, whatever. And I said, whoever you're working with, just follow their direction. Don't try to make it your yeah. film. It's their yeah. film. So that that's my yeah. point of view. No, I I yes, I remember I I I don't, some award ceremony George Clooney won an award for Oh Brother Where Out Thou and they asked him what the secret was to working with the Cohen brothers and he said stay out of the way and try not to screw it up. And uh, I think that's exactly. a brilliant line, right? That you just you just that's let the director right. have their vision and the writer have yeah. their vision and you just do the thing to the best of your ability. And get into the flow. Don't try to control the flow. Just merge into the flow and flow with it. That's what we did. And Jack, but that was a thing. Who played Henry? Jack was completely Henry all the time, all the time. Oh, and he worked on it for over two years. Had that hairdo, you know? Oh wow! That hairdo that stuck straight up out of his head. Yeah, he, he was Henry for about two years. Wow! <laughs> and was he, he Hen- was he Henry on the set? I mean, was he very deep method? So when you were on the set, you were on the set with Henry. I wasn't as as on the set with my character as Jack Nance was. Jack was Henry right all the time, all the time. Wow! And the other thing, David only worked after midnight, so we would come to work at midnight and. We'd work until six in the morning. That's the only time he worked. 
So I was wondering how and, that would affect his career as a director. <laughs> you can't really do that in Hollywood. But that, that was the fact. I worked all night one night, and I had a 6 o'clock call in the morning at Warner Brothers for the Waltons. So I went from Eraserhead to the Waltons in the same 24 oh, hours. Okay. Fantastic. That's fantastic. And that was just a year before Little House. I went right from the Waltons to Little House when it started. So sorry my voice is a little raspy. I've got some hay fever. And I'm kinda No, you're you're just fine. Um you sound fantastic. So you never so so Eraser had a little house never overlapped. You never had to do that only, double duty. Only because it came out after I was already doing Little House. It, it okay. wasn't. It wasn't released for a couple of years, you know, after I worked on it. So right. I was already working on Little House when it came out. And did and the, you did the, did the, the studio know that? No, no, Did the studio know that was you? Oh, no, that's fantastic. nobody knew. I never told anybody. In fact, I think the first that, day that they realized that I was an eraser head, we were doing, we were doing Laura Palmer's funeral. And the whole cast was there. Everybody who had worked on on the cast, you know, Twin Peaks, was on set. We were out on location where they were burying her. And this, I heard this murmur go through. And one of the girls looked at me and she said, you were in a racer head? <laughs> I said, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Oh my God, that's the best. A lot of times, the actors think you're just who you play and no, nothing else. You know, I've done I've right. done like 50 right. television shows, so you know right. I've done a lot of different characters. Well, and you've had a lot of, and it's in your book, right? You had a lot of experiences yeah. off camera too. Lots of like crazy fun and sometimes just crazy, crazy Hollywood <laughs> stuff. Really understanding I the did. the. And I had there's a, a you know there's store. a beautiful, lovely, uh, giving, give back, humanitarian side to this business and this town, and then there's another side, and it's crazy and out there and you know like all the the old Hollywood folks right so many of them were Absolutely. practicing black magic, <clears throat> and yeah you can and feel you that know, energy at night in Hollywood a lot of us were silly's you know. In the 70s, in, in, even before Little House, I was a hippie. You know, I, I went on my interview for Little House on the Prairie wearing jeans and T-shirt and flip-flops. You know, how can they imagine awesome. me as Miss Beetle? But I didn't know what it was. I had never heard of Little House on the Prairie. I, I knew it was Michael Landon, but that's all I knew. And I walked in, and there are all these ladies in Old West outfits waiting to read for my part. And... <laughs> I walked, awesome. I, I walked in, and there's, this, there's like 10 men sitting in folding chairs and the producer in the, in the front all the way back with a big desk. And I looked around the room, and producer said, are you ready to read? And I said, may I sit behind your desk? And he looked at me, and he looked at Mike, and Mike kind of shrugged. And they said, okay. So he got up and went and sat in a folding chair, and I went behind the desk, and they were all kind of going, <laughs> I went, quiet. And they went 
silent. And I think that's what got me the part. <laughs> oh, that's the best. Yeah, you angry school teachered them. Don't mess that's, with that's me. That's fantastic. Yeah. Right. And I went that's on and fantastic. read the script. And before I got home, I had the part. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love but that. But you didn't have any what idea. What made me do that? What made me do that? I have no idea. I mean, it was rude for me to ask the producer to get out of his chair and let me sit there. What? Right. <laughs> right. But, but don't you think as an actor and as a creative, and now I'm going to get all spiritual and woo-woo on you, but don't you think sometimes <laughs> you tap into that creative channel and you get in the zone? And when you're in the zone, you're kind of co-creating with the universe, and it just, if you stay in that zone, it all works out. It's like when you do theater, right? I mean, if you stand on the stage and you think about all the things that go wrong, all the lines you could forget, all the blocking right. you could forget, everybody else in the cast could forget stuff, it's going to be a train wreck. If you just believe and get in the zone, you open your eyes and the curtain's going up and you close your eyes and the curtain's already going down and sometimes you can't even remember what happened. Yeah, yeah. I don't do that much theater because... To tell you the truth, this is what I'm going to tell you a secret, which everybody can know now. (laughs) The reason I quit acting 15 years ago was I was flown to New York to do a very small part in a film, and I couldn't remember my lines. I got there, and I was on set, and I know they were being very patient with me, and I was humiliated. And I got home, and I called my agent, and I said, you know what? I'm done. And that was 15 years ago. So I was 60, over 65 then. Right. And it was just kind of a fact that I had, to, I had to face that maybe this is the time when I retire. And I was kind of tired of L.A. anyway. So my husband and I packed it up and moved to Napa. And I haven't regretted. I've had a wonderful full life here. But I had to realize yeah. that sometimes I didn't want to embarrass a crew, a director, and myself by going into something and they had to stop and stop and go and stop. So I just said, you know what? Thank you very much, but I'm out of here. <laughs> and I, it's been wonderful. Yeah. I've, I've had, I've, I have a wonderful life here. That's beautiful. I mean, I think you need to know sometimes what is the next thing for you to do. Yeah. That's the healthy thing. It's funny because I have a friend yeah. that lived literally at Hollywood and Highland and he would. He's about ten years older than me. He would always say to me, "When I turn fifty-five, I'm I'm going to go live at Leisure World." And I would be like, "Leisure World? At fifty-five, you're just going to go and live at Leisure World, like in the in the middle of nowhere, like in Seal Beach?" And then it's funny because then I turned fifty-five, and I moved down here to fix up the house I grew up in to rent it, fell in love with it, and stayed. And now I'm like, "Wait a minute." I live in the middle of nowhere now because I literally live yeah, but like you've never between been busier in like, your life. But I, because right? of the virtual world, I've never been busier in my life. But exactly. I do live this kind of sleepy existence where I go yeah. have dinner with my best friend every night and I hang out with her family and, and I, I work in my backyard and the cat and I yeah. watch birds and squirrels. And I'm like, oh, I've become that 55-year-old person who moved to the middle of nowhere. But thanks to the virtual world, 
um, I'm doing more shows than I've ever done, and and I built I, a studio. I got that. It's beautiful. I, I couldn't believe your resume was is just incredible. I mean, I can't yeah, believe you, how much work yeah. you do. It's yeah, just incredible. I do. Um, it's uh, five, two, four. I do seven shows a week. Yeah. Wow. And, and um, but I love it because I get to be in my house. It used to be I would think, yeah. why do I own this house? I'm never in it. And now I get to be yeah. in my house. I get to be with my cat, who's like my soulmate. And um, yeah. I get to be close to my family and um, be in a place where there aren't really lines and there, there's no traffic. And, uh, just, <laughs> no. you know, and be so close to the beach that I can literally hear the waves in my front yard every night. Oh, and it's, wonderful. it's like paradise and like you i don't regret the 30 years i spent in los angeles i still have my home there i'm not ready and to I'm, give up on it I'm forever in the napa valley i'm in the napa valley i mean how right. beautiful is that you went even farther I, when i yeah i walk every morning and about two blocks up the street i'm in vineyards so i walk through vineyards wow and it's just lovely That's so beautiful yeah, yeah. It's so you, you have to find the place where you belong and i think the days where we believed that in order to be an artist, you had to live in New York or Los Angeles are over. No, um, Now no, you can do no. your thing from wherever you are, right? I mean, you're making exactly. your art, making your yep. bags from wherever you are and um, doing your thing and getting on a plane and going wherever you have to go and then getting to come I home just, to this very tranquil place. Exactly. I just shipped 30 bags yesterday to Illinois. For my next wow. event, and I'm back working in sewing room wow. now. You know, <laughs> that's that's what I do, and that's what wow. I enjoy. You know, I'm just so, so lucky. Wonderful. And my husband is and very he, independent too. Um, Michael is um, what he's doing now is he's he's come up with a something for me to sell at my at my shows. It's called Miss Beetle's Lemon Verbena Candle, and he's been making candles oh. every day with lemon verbena. And made up this fabulous little card that goes with it, Miss Beetle's Lemon Verbena, because <laughs> it says in the oh, book, you're not going to be able to keep that book. in stock. I know right. that Miss Beetle, Laura says Miss Beetle, she wears Lemon Verbena. <laughs> it's documented. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, you're not you're not going to be able to keep those in stock. That's going to go like hotcakes. <laughs> I'll have to send one to you. But I love so you that you two see. work together. I love that you guys are very much a team because you also help him with, is, is he, a, he's a, into geology, he doing, right? It's rocks with him? No, he was doing, yeah, meteor, meteorites. Yeah, he's a right. meteoriticist. But when COVID came, it shut down all the shows, all the gem mineral shows. Oh. So he kind of got away from that for a while. And now he's inspired yeah. to do you know, candles, and he's got, you know, got a few other things on his mind. But, yeah, we're working together. We're a team, and it's fun. I married a younger man. I love that. (laughs) Oh, well, you know what? You should, because that's the life of a starlet. You should be able to marry a younger man. Uh, How much younger is he? Uh, He's uh, 67, and I am 82. So he's five years. Oh, so 15 years. Yeah. No, no, seven. Oh. I'm sorry. He's five years younger. He's 77. Oh, he's 77. Okay, well, that's not that, yeah. that's not that much younger. But you've never seen a more active not, You're not a cougar yet. That doesn't make you a cougar. <laughs> now, you're okay then. No, no I'm fine. 
I'm fine. I walk a mile every morning. And in in your in your heyday, uh, yeah. in, in the heyday of LA down here, um, I mean, was there ever anything that that took you back that was too much? I mean, did you see some hmm. stuff that you thought, I this I can't get on board with this. This is craziness. I mean, we see so much craziness every day, right? But every once in a while. We see something and we're like, oh, wow, I was not prepared for that. Even in the I, spiritual world, I think I've seen everything. And then somebody will say something to me and I'm like, what? Yeah. I was a little fed up with, with the drug scene. You know, I saw yeah. it destroy so many people, you know. And yeah. I, I, if you, you, and I know you read my book. You know, I became good friends with Jim Morrison. And he was, yeah. we, were, we were buddies with benefits, if you know what I mean. And we, I traveled oh, with him. Yes. And yeah, he he was he was in a lot of trouble there for a while because they wanted to send him back to Texas to stand trial and for indecent exposure. Yeah. And I just felt so bad for him. I just felt so terrible because he was a oh brilliant guy, so smart, so funny. And was six six months after I was with him, he was gone. He was dead. Yeah. And it, I just, it broke my heart. He was 26 yeah. years old. You know, it just, yeah. it's just so tragic. Yeah, I'm I'm glad I didn't get involved in all that, you know. I mean, I've had other yeah. problems. Yeah, oh, but... ab- absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it takes a strong person to be around it and not be involved in it. I mean, I've always yeah. not been involved in it, but it's been, sometimes it's a lot when you see it going on all around you. I, I booked live music that was my my living in my 20s and 30s while I was getting my yeah entertainment career off the ground and I saw it all too and it's um it's 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 a lot and and it's sad because right Charlotte it's such a problem again it's on the rise especially heroin I know it's completely know. on the rise with young people I don't understand how yeah. people didn't learn from all the people that have died how bad this yeah. all is, but it's but it's all on the rise again, and yeah, and worse um, and worse. It, it, it is it's fentanyl and worse all than of ever. Those horrible drugs. Horrible. Right now, it's all cut. Yeah, I mean, we smoked stuff. a joint yeah, once so in a while, and every once in a while took a sure. snort of coke, but you know, it wasn't a lifestyle. Um, but I've got a funny story for you. Have you got time? Oh yeah. I was um, back in the days of um, hippie dumb. Uh, I was hanging out with Joni Mitchell. She had just moved out here and didn't drive, so I would I would spend a lot of time with her and Graham Nash. They were a couple then. And we were in Benedict Canyon at Dallas Taylor's house. He was back up for Neil Young. And Stephen Stills and David Crosby came crashing in the door and said, everybody, you can't leave the house. Somebody's killing everybody in Benedict Canyon. This was the Sharon Tate murders. And he said, you can't leave. There, there's murderers coming through Benedict Canyon. And I stood there and I said, but I have to do Bonanza tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stay here. <laughs> I just think that's so funny. <laughs> That's hysterical. You know, I interviewed um, Sally Kellerman once, uh, I don't, uh, many times, but one time when I was interviewing her, she said that um, before the Manson murders, 
nobody locked their doors in Hollywood. But she had a cat, and she would go to work during the day or at night, and she would leave her door open like, you know, six, yeah. seven, eight inches yeah. so the cat could yeah. come and go. And it never occurred to you to close your door, lock your door. You just, everybody, no. everybody in the apartment complex, everybody left their doors open, and you just went Absolutely. in and out of everybody's places. And then after the Tate LaBianca murders, it was like a whole like dark blanket went over the whole city and everybody Absolutely. started to become very scared. And, and, and isn't that interesting? Guns. Yeah. Right. Right. So you know, we were talking started... earlier in the show about, yeah. No, I'm just, started... I just remembered that after, after that La Bianca and the Sharon Tate murders, almost all my friends had guns. They, they kept guns at home. And I, I, I right. didn't have anything like that, but oh my God. And I was living in Laurel Canyon, you know, anyway, it was a yeah. crazy time. It was so awful. So it's interesting how we talk about how we talked earlier today about how inspiration spreads, right? And it's sort of the wheel of everything. Um, but yeah. you know what? A dark episode like that spreads in a negative direction. And it's, it's the oh, same yeah. thing. It's um, uh, suddenly the whole town lives in fear. Uh, because they never occurred to people that there was the possibility that this darkness existed in humanity until they saw it. Yeah. And then it changed yeah. everybody's consciousness forever. And that is, that, yeah. that's hard. But what, a, what an amazing time to have been in this town in the 60s and 70s. I mean, amazing yeah. for film, for television, for music. I mean, and, and I like to say, because being a kid that grew up in the 70s, the, the 70s were the last time that people were really free because when the 80s I came, agree. Dr- drugs was going to kill us, sex is going to kill us, uh, the, our food is yep. going to kill us, the environment's going to kill us, alcohol is going to kill us. Suddenly in the yep. 80s, we just started panicking about everything, and people have never really been free. And I think I just got a new car. Whenever I get a new car, I get you know, they give you serious for a year, and I've been listening a lot to the 70s channels. And even, I think, oh. reflected in the music, that freedom that I grew yeah. up on. I always say that the reason that um, kids of my generation are so nostalgic is because we grew up in the 70s thinking we were going to inherit a different life in the 80s. When we got to the exactly. 80s, it was a whole different ball game, And we're yeah. still wanting our free 70s to come back. But I don't <laughs> know that it's ever going to come back at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't I think I never got my I don't free love seventies, so. Charlotte. Yeah. Well, I I I totally agree. <laughs> I love the free love seventies. You didn't have to get married. You didn't have to make commitments. You were all friends yeah. with benefits. Friends with benefits. Yeah. No guilt. Yeah. See now I'm even now I'm more jealous because you make it sound even more fun than anybody does. <laughs> I had a lot of fun. I, when people read my book, they get shocked at how I spent my life, you know, and how many men were in my life. You know, I didn't want to marry yeah. him. I didn't want to marry Jim Morrison. I wanted to go have a drink, go on the road, have fun, you know, no promises. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was the age yeah. of, you know, no promises. And I will yeah. I'll cherish the memory because I, I really had fun. It was tragic, but but that's you know. I think that's it's it's important for people to find their freedom somewhere, and that was a place where you really found the the freeness of your spirit. And I think as artists, we have to find a place for our spirits to run free, because yeah. we're not the kind of people that you can put in a box. 
I agree. And I, I'm so I'm so grateful that I have found a time in my life where I still feel creative, even if I can't act anymore. I can still feel creative yeah. and make people happy because they want to meet me. You know, I travel all over the country meeting hundreds and hundreds of people, and it makes them yeah. happy. And boy, it makes me happy too. I never thought that would yeah. happen. Yeah. You know, when Absolutely. we did Little House on the Prairie. Go ahead. Uh-huh. Go ahead. I was just oh, saying, was when we did say, Little House on the Prairie, we, yes, we were so looked down on by Hollywood. You know, went, oh, uh, that show. Oh. Well, look, right. we're still on the air 50 years later. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, and I'm always surprised because sometimes at night when I'm looking for something to watch as I go to sleep, it's on a channel like late at night, and I always see it. I'm surprised how many of the episodes I still remember um, yeah. because they, they really stuck in your brain. It's a, as a matter of fact, the other night I was in a, like, not feeling good. And when I, mm-hmm. I had the flu, and it kind of grabbed me out of nowhere and took my voice, Ugh. which is why we didn't do this earlier. And while, when I don't feel good, I don't like to watch unhappy things. Like, I'll watch anything, horror, sci-fi, true crime. <laughs> when I don't feel good, I just want happy. And, and my go-to is Golden Girls. I like to watch oh, Golden Girls, but when too. I first moved yeah. into this house, my house is on an Indian burial ground, so I told myself when I first moved in this house, only happy stuff at night. And the cat, who was a kitten at the time, became addicted to Golden Girls. I think he thought they were cats. They were all cats. And we watched every single one, and the little guy burned me out on Golden Girls. I mean, it was like the theme would start, and he would come running from wherever he was and get up on the bed. I mean, he knew it was bedtime because Golden Girls were on. So I'm flicking through that, and I'm like, oh, Little House on the Prairie. And I said to myself, if it's any episode except the one where Carolyn gets the blood poisoning, I can watch it. And sure enough, I see Doc Baker come out of the room, and I'm like, it's the blood poisoning oh, no. episode. Like, what's the chance of all? Because as a kid, that episode scared me. I was terrified yeah. of that episode when I was young. She was all alone. She was all by herself. Paul was gone. Right. The girls were gone. Yeah. Everybody was gone. Yeah. And then the worst yeah. happened. Um, for years, I was sure her. I was going to get that blood poisoning. Really? I'm going to be seeing Karen Grassley, yeah, on my next trip. We're going to be in Kentucky together. Uh, I haven't seen Karen since I moved out of L.A., and she's in Sam, near Sam, she's near Berkeley, and uh, I don't know why we just never, you know, connected up here, but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing her. It's been a long time. That's nice. That's that's beautiful. Um, where are yeah. you going in Kentucky? You know what? I haven't the faintest idea. They say, <laughs> they call me and give me dates, tell me when, when, and where. But I don't even, I, I just write a note in my book, you know, Kentucky, and then they send me an airline ticket. And then I find out where I'm going. Oh, that's fantastic. I do so, I do so, um, I do so many of these that I, I don't know where I'm going half the time. And, and are they usually in more rural areas? I think you said something about that earlier, that they're usually in more Absolutely. rural areas. Yeah, they're all in rural areas. Missouri, um Kentucky, we're going to be going at small town in Illinois. We're going to um, Alabama. Forget, we've got a whole series of things to do between August and December. We've got a, a bunch of junkets, so and it's fun. And and um, li, li, 
God. And my, I have that thing in my voice, too, from one of these hay fever things. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, it's, it's the only time we get to see each other because we live all different places, you know. Never never get to see yeah. my cast, and so we get off the plane. <laughs> get oh, that's in the car wonderful, and go though. And, and do you find time to socialize a little bit while you're there? Do you get some friend oh, time yeah. with them all? Oh, yeah, we do. We we spend a lot of time together all day, all day, and, you know, we I think all sit at the same place. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I think it's, I so, impor- it's so important the way that you've all stayed such good friends. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think when you spend that many years of your life in a project, when you look back on it, you want to think warmth and family. You don't want to think yeah. about discord. And um, it, it's interesting. Yeah. Like, um, Charlene Tilton is a good friend of mine. And the first time she ever did my show when we first met, I was talking about Little House on the Prairie as the example. Cause, and she said that the Dallas cast is like that. And she said that basically the first couple weeks they were on the set that Larry Hagman said, look, we're not going to be that cast that fights. We're going to be that cast that's a family. And they've yeah. stayed a family all these years. And I think it kind of trickles down from the top, right? Michael kept you all a family. And it's just yeah. what you learn to do. And um, now you just know how to be a family. And it's, um, and it's, it's so important. We have such respect for each other, you know, and we have such respect for what we are allowed to do. You know, I mean, this is phenomenal that this long after doing a show, we're still, we still have fans. You know, I don't know how many shows you can name. We also, at the Walt, I did the Waltons too. So sometimes the Waltons um, will include me in their, in their trips around the country, you know. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's really nice. And, and they're just, they're a good crowd too. They get, they have a whole they relationship are. with each other. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. know you've talked to many yeah, of them. Yeah, they're another good group. Yeah, they're yeah. another really good group. And, and I think, because otherwise you look back over like, you know, five, ten years of your life and all you can think of that it was miserable. That's a big chunk of your life to be miserable. Oh, yeah, so no, to have no. those good memories, that's, I think that's the most important. And you're so lucky that you have like all these different families that you get to go and, and do I the conventions do. with and go meet the people and what a what a great life you have, my friend. Um, thank I you for know. being here. You're I'm, gonna do. You're gonna. Okay. Oh, you're so welcome. You're so welcome, and and I'll see you when I come to L.A. next year, uh, for the Little House on the Prairie 50th anniversary out in Simi Valley. I'm sure you're gonna be there. I absolutely will be there. Yes, I will. I I believe yeah. that my friend Orlando has something to do with putting that together. Oh, he does. He's yeah, very involved. Yeah, we. I'm sure he'll about call me out to plans. do something. Oh, you I'm may sure see me will. moderating yeah. a panel. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Where can people find you and get the book oh. and and get to okay, and get to know a little bit on. about your life more? Yeah, book is called Little House in the Hollywood Hills: A Bad Girl's Guide, <laughs> and they nice. can find it on Amazon. Or I give out my email quite frequently, and I don't mind doing it because Please. I get I meet lovely Good. friends. So my email, I'm going to say it, and then I'll spell it. It's LottieBanks at Yahoo.com. And you have it, I think, because I think you've sent me some stuff. I do. Yes, Lottie I can Banks, get it from me, sure. Yeah, L-O-T-T-E-B-A-N-K-S at Yahoo, yeah. I answer all my email, and that's how I sell my my uh, Beetle bags online is through my email. 
Wonderful. And the candles I are know. coming. I'm so excited. The and candles the candles are coming. Are coming. Miss Beetle's candles. Yep. I, I am so excited about that and so excited for you, sweetheart. And I'm so glad that you did this with me. And, and you're going to come and do my, uh, my web TV talk show next week. And I'm so excited about that. Oh, and good. I'm, oh, I'm thrilled right. always to spend to time with real you. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I can't wait I'll to see you makeup. when you're in town. I'll do my hair. Oh, <laughs> nice. And you can show your beetle bags. People can see them and they can see I the can. book. And, and the, the candle, candle? It's going to be so yeah. exciting. Absolutely. It's going to be like she a mini not, home shopping network episode. <laughs> Thank you, honey. It's it's always oh, fun to be you with so you. I love and adore you. you. And and I will see you soon, I'll my friend. Thank week. you for being here next week. The wonderful Charlotte Stewart, everybody. Isn't she the best? Uh, if you missed those links, I'm at SheenaMetalSpiritual.com, SheenaMetalSpiritual.com, and I am all over social media at Sheena Metal, and I'll give you my number. It's 818-437-0886. Feel free to text me at any time about anything, and I also answer all of my text messages. Um, and if you want my email, it's on my website, SheenaMetalSpiritual.com. Till I see you next Wednesday at 3 o'clock Pacific time, seek peace, live in love, lead with kindness, embrace unity, Always work to raise your vibration and know that you are loved and you are loved and you're loved by me. Uh, I'm Sheena Metal, and this is Raising the Vibration, my nonprofit, RaisingTheVibration.org, and this show, RaisingTheVibrationRadio.com, and then, of course, LiveParanormal.com for the network, iHeartRadio.com, and all of our affiliates. I love you, and I'll see you next time. Take care of you. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.